hello everyone. Uh, I've got someone that I actually met when I met uh, when I moved to Atlanta. His name is Mark Goodman. Um, he gave me a great opportunity to do some some video work, and that's kind of how we got in touch. Um, but he's the starter of a couple nonprofits, seventy times seven, which emphasizes forgiveness, and then also um, uh, donor. Remind me the name of the donor. Hello, donor. Right. Hello, donor. Hello, donor. Um, it's a really unique idea of how to um, round up change and work with nonprofits. So I, I thought that that was quite a fascinating thing. And so he and I have gotten some um, some great conversations just on um, his thought process on forgiveness. I know that that's one of your most important motifs. So I just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for making time for having this conversation. So thank you very much, and I appreciate all that you do. Uh, I'm a big fan. And um, not just uh, who you are, but your willingness to be transparent and to speak up. Uh, so thank you very much. Um, yeah. World needs, needs more of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I mean it. Um, so I'll give you the stage to kind of introduce whatever you feel the audience should hear and know about you. I know you have had quite the incredible story, so I'd, I'd love to kind of give you the floor and share a little bit about yourself. Sure, uh, that, that would be great. I'm, I'm going to give the, uh, the short version because uh, at, at my age, the long version would take a lot longer than what anybody <laughs> wants to need to hear. Right. So I can make fun of myself. That's okay. But right. um, there's a reason why I feel so absolutely uh, passionate about, um, uh, about forgiveness. It is, a, it is a subject matter that is near and dear to my heart that I've seen firsthand uh, over and over and over again. And a lot of it comes from the fact of just from my background. So I'm going to give you a, a rather interesting little, hang on, put the seatbelts on for a little bit of ride. Is uh, As a teenager, I lived homeless on the streets of LA, um, eating out of soup lines, uh, eating out of dumpsters. If you ever need to eat out of a dumpster, come see me. I know all the secrets. There really is an art, art form to it. And besides, uh, All right. in, in Malibu, uh, there was a uh, grocery store there that uh, the, the, the stuff they threw away, oh my God, I think I gained weight. Don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> it was fa fabulous. Like, you got to be kidding me. But the point being is during that period of roughly about a year, uh, I was out there with my, one of my three older brothers, one of my three of them, and it was, I've got great memories of it. It was actually a great time. And part of it, and a big part of it, has to do with the fact that it was better and it was safer than what we grew up with in Detroit um, in an environment that not only was uh, full of all sorts of different issues and anger, but from parents who were alcoholic, from a dad who is physically abusive. When I say physically abusive, we're talking about uh, my three older brothers to the point with his fists to almost unconscious where it was hard to talk with the lips all messed up. And um, my, my, uh, my, my bedroom door had bumper stickers on it to hold the, hide the holes in it from different family members coming at me with a bat or a, a bowling ball or a knife. Um, it was just a dangerous, it was just a dangerous environment. But then it was, beyond even that, with my three older brothers, my dad uh, was sexually abusive. My dad, uh, let's call it for what it is, my dad raped my three older brothers as they were a child. 
Now you hear about this, um, and it's one thing to be raped by as a child, um, but it's another thing when it happens by your own dad. Um, it, it changes all your sense of up, down, left, right, security. As you can imagine, it, 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 it leaves a train wreck behind. And in the Goodman family, it, God knows they left a train wreck. Um, my oldest brother passed away about a year ago. Uh, I barely knew him because he was so full of anger his entire life. Uh, didn't really have a relationship. My uh, next oldest brother, I've taken care of most of my life. He's, he's schizophrenic. He doesn't want to take meds because take meds uh, clears his mind up and takes him right back to age 12 to the things that my dad was doing to him. So he prefers to be out in left field with imaginary friends and an imaginary world. Um, and then you have my middle brother, the one who led me to the Lord, the one who taught me sales, the one that I looked, looked up to. Um, he struggled with this in a great way and to the point where in, he called me in 4.30 in the morning on January 3rd, 1986 to say how much he was sorry and how much he loved me while in the process of taking his own life and he took his own life while on the phone with me. So I've seen some of this, you know, what, what pain, what some of this, um, um, how ugly life can be and how it can, if, if you allow it to, it can eat away at you. Now, when sharing this story, I, I always have to share this, this other part is, uh, at age 65, my dad sobered up, turned his life over to God. In the last 23 years of his life, he's not with us today, turned on one, one of the most wonderful, loving, godly men you have ever met. Gino, I swear to God, if, if he joined us at the coffee shop and you met, and met him and you heard my story, you'd be saying, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't believe you. There's no way. No, I've met this man. There is no way that this guy matches the monster that you speak of. And that's the power of, of forgiveness, of redemption, of grace, and that with God, all, all things, all things, are possible. So while we read it, I've, I've had this opportunity in this life in order to experience it. And I've got a great, wonderful life. I really do. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a growing business involved in the ministry. My health is great. I'm just, I'm living large. I'm living large. And people say, why are you so happy all the time considering what, what you went through? And it's because of what I went through that I'm able to appreciate more, I think, than the average person. So while, whatever that season in life that you're going through, how much it's raining and how cloudy it looks and how gloomy it looks, that you appreciate a sunny day a whole lot more after a rain, you do. That's just human nature. And so I just feel I'm the most blessed man on earth. I taste things you don't taste. I see colors you don't see, right? And so much of that comes down from forgiveness, forgiveness. I have a choice with the cards that were dealt to me. I got every right in the world to be angry, be pissed off, pissed off at my dad, pissed off at God, and to hold, and to hold on to this shame, pain, and blame. But then I discovered that there is something else. 
and, and, and also that so much of my life, I didn't even share this. Gino, you know, with what you, right. this subject matter is about, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Do you not run into people who have issues with shame and... Right. Yeah, so with, it's actually quite interesting. When I moved to Atlanta, I talked to, we, we joined a small group. So we joined a church and then we went to a small group. And um, at our previous small group back in Nebraska, I would share my... Um, my addiction with pornography and I would always have someone come up to me and thank me for my transparency. But the majority of the group got awkward, like, Oh no, he's talking (laughs) about it, you know? Um, and so it was very, um, my wife was uncomfortable with it because of, I mean, obviously because it's given that it's, it's her husband admitting this type of thing. But then on top of that, it also changed the feeling in the environment No one was happy about it. No one seemed happy about the fact that um, I would bring it up besides the few that would come after and say, thanks for sharing. Um, So when we joined our small group in Atlanta, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to lay it out for you guys. This is something that I have found very trying and very difficult Um, in our last small group that we went to. It seemed very uncomfortable to talk with. So I just want to kind of see how you guys feel about it, if it ever gets something mentioned. And I mean, they were all for it. It was actually it, it was nice. But then also I had people come up to me and say, thank you. Like that, I, that's very nice to hear someone actually say that. And I find that crazy and like not crazy. Cause I understand why, like I understand yeah, yeah, yeah. why it's secluded, but the fact that I'm moving here from Nebraska and a stranger walks into their doors and they're shocked that someone can talk about this is a bummer. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a bummer that everyone, no one has ever seemed to, at least in my experience, seen an example of just talking about right. it in a way that doesn't feel so heavy or like like you're doomed after or you're the worst person after. So yeah, in my experience, it's been very rare to have someone talk about it in a very nonchalant way. Um, and it's understandable. Like I, I was listening to your story on uh, earlier this morning, and um, one of the things that I actually really appreciated was um, the fact that you emphasized that you don't feel like you have a right to take away someone else's right to be angry or Absolutely. someone's right to be shameful. Like it, that's one thing that I think that sometimes we do miss when we come on the other side of our troubles. We tend to look at the people who haven't come on the other side of their troubles and be like, well, if you just get over it, cause I've gotten over it and it works, but it doesn't work saying that at all. It's and not so, easy. It's not easy. It is. Um, I, I even love the fact you said the talk about pornography and then they can't talk about it even just the it right right (laughs) yeah it's like a curse word or it's like a of like saying Voldemort (laughs) you can't say his name (laughs) exactly right I mean it is let's call it for what it is and the thing is is the statistics is in the past six months 73 percent of women and 98 percent of men have looked at pornography in the last six months Right. Yet, no, we don't want to talk about it, right? Right. And one of the things I talk about is the fact of, is, let, let me tell you something. I was sexually abused. I was raped by two cow, by cowboys out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, hitchhiking from L.A. to Detroit. Okay? And by the way, I had a bad meal at Chili's last week. Oh, it was awful. Oh, my God, the burger was overdone. Okay? Now, I, I'm making fun of the fact of... 
when you get on the other side of shame, right. all of a sudden, it makes all the difference in the world. I don't have to put on that mask anymore. How are you, Mark? Wake up in the It's exhausting. You know it. It's exhausting. Yeah. You wake up in the morning, put on the mask. How are you? Good, good, good. It's good to be Christian. Right. Go to church. It's all good. I'm reading the Bible. Right. Right. And then, oh, yeah. man, I looked at porn. It's like, oh, I'm guilty. Oh, yeah. Feel- you don't even know how to process it because it's like, the, it, it, especially when it comes to like spiritual doctrine, it's really difficult to like, okay, well, you know, there is no shame in Christ, but I feel but, terrible. But, but, um, yeah. <laughs> Like there's so like, so it's really difficult because it's like, well, I shouldn't be feeling this, but I do. Um, I know I'm forgiven, but I keep messing up. So am I doing something wrong? Like there's so many, like just adding the bundle of spirituality makes it difficult. Um, and I've actually been interested in conversations with people who uh, haven't had that spiritual background to see if it's something that's negative for them too. You know, like, cause I have heard people who are fine with it and it, they say that it doesn't impact them. And I'm really interested to have in having those conversations. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that it's one of those things that regardless if someone does say it's beneficial, it's still is something that's kept in the dark. And I find that curious, like, you know, no one wants to talk about it. So if no one wants to talk about it that's to right. me, that shows there's something there that's kind of taboo or shameful, um, even without the spiritual upbringing, but there's I could be no wrong about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, look, shame needs three things to exist, okay? So first of all, let's identify this, okay? Is guilt and shame, guilt and shame. Guilt is, um, I did something bad. Shame is, I am bad, okay? Guilt is not necessarily a bad thing. It may be the, the, the Holy Spirit, like, hey, Mark, you hoo hey, hey, hello, poke, 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 poke. But shame is saying, I'm bad. Guilt is what I did, it's the event. Shame is, is who I am and how I, how I exist, right? right. Um, and shame needs those three things to exist. And it needs secrecy. It needs judgment and it needs unforgiveness. Now, shame is when you're, you're looking at yourself as I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy is never good. It, God is so ungodly, it goes totally against the Bible, just what you're speaking about. So it's separation between the guilt and the shame. But shame is never acceptable, okay? Right. And then in a world that holds out blame for everything, we're in this environment, holds out blame for everybody needs to be, you know what you did? Um, you're, you're a failure, you're a loser, consumed with um, not only what other people point at, then you start looking at yourself. Gino, if you only knew who I really am, if you only knew, if you only know what I did, what I did on that last summer, what I did on that business trip, what I did on the internet last night. If only you knew, you probably wouldn't like me. And so, hey, Jenna, good to see you. Life's good. How about them Falcons? And the thing is, is when you can surround yourself with people, and it's, I love when the fact that groups, you can surround yourself with people that I, I, I'm not judgmental against you. In fact, I love you more because you're transparent, because you're speaking up something. I, I'm like so drawn to you because you're willing to speak up something I feel and experience, but I'm too, I can't get past that. Right. That's powerful and transparency breeds transparency. In my 70 times seven forgiveness, I often meet in Starbucks around Atlanta. And my joke is, is there's emotional vomit 
on the floor of Starbucks all over Atlanta. I apologize if you have to step in it, okay? Because I sit down with people and it's like all of a sudden, here it comes. I've never told anybody but blah, and here it comes. Right. I had that same experience. So in a small group back a, a number of years ago, I was in a group and the first guy got up in, his, in the small group, brand new small group, right? Barely met him, you know what I mean? It's maybe the second or third meeting, I don't remember. And it's, he's telling his story and he just vomits all over the room. <laughs> Forgive me for being, because to me, it needs to be that descriptive. Here I am. Boom, this flaw, this, you know, uh, talking about por pornography and, and talking about uh, all sorts of issues. And I just sat there, I was like, wow, I've held so much of what happened to me as a childhood inside and I've not shared that with anybody. And I've worn my mask way too long, it's exhausting. Right. So instead of telling it in the group, I pulled my wife off to the side into the kitchen. I, say, I told her, I said, honey, you better sit down. I've held this too quiet for too long, and I don't want you to hear it for the first time in somebody else's living room. You ready? Blah. And I let it all out. Right. How do you think she responded to that, do you know? Depends. I mean, some people's I temperament know. don't like it. <laughs> how could you keep this from me? Why didn't it, you tell me? I mean, it, all so those. How, how did she respond? All of those, all of the above. That, the, you nailed it. All the above. That, that is, it's a gutsy move. But I'm telling you guys, or women, or whoever is listening to this, it is a, it is a fabulous move. So all that came up. How, how, why have you kept this for so long? If, wh, am I married to somebody I didn't know I was actually married to? Um, you know, on and on and on. But on the other hand is, none of this comes as that big of a surprise. She knew little bits and pieces of, almost like a reporter, this happened. You know, she knew that I lived homeless in the streets, right? She didn't knew that mm -hmm. there was physically abusive, but not the sexual abuse, you know, right. and, and, and a lot of these other items. But I'll tell you what came out of that. I went in that small group and I shared my real story, not the mask made up story, you know, right. the nice sweet stuff. And my life changed overnight. There's something about this, Gina. It is the wound of unforgiveness. The wound of unforgiveness affects and infects all of our relationships, including and especially that with our Lord Jesus Christ. The wound of unforgiveness. And the fact that I held on to it and I wasn't willing to deal with that affected and infected all my relationships. And you know what happened? It was like almost overnight. My relationship with the Lord blossomed, absolutely, positively took off. I mean, it was just so exciting what happened. My relationship right. with my wife all of a sudden turned out better than ever. And we still share, share these, including is it, at, time, at times where pornography uh, slips in, into our marriage or the fact of um, the uh, different family members uh, still concerned because my, my, we have a family history of sexual abuse, so therefore we gotta keep Mark away from there, which is about as ridiculous as can be, but because it's in my family, I'm automatically of concern, right? Well, it's hurt. It hurts, right? But we're right. able to talk about these things now. Right? right, we're able to talk yeah. about it. my relationship with friends and with the Lord has got so much better. Right, 
Have you found um, any, like I know that typically your motif is emphasizing forgiveness in the conversations of emotional vomit in Starbucks. Have you, um, how often does the conversation come up with pornography? Is that a weight that tends to be often talked about or is it usually something different when you guys are having those conversations? It's different for every person. So I'm not introducing anything. Often it's what they're dealing with. Right. 25% 25% of, of uh, the people uh, that are listening to this have been abused as a child, physically, emotionally, um, uh, sexually, or the one of omission, just neglect. Right. Uh, one in four women have been sexually abused. One in six men. I mean, when you think about that, one in six men. Think about the six, 12, 18 men that you know. How many of them spoke up and said, hey, I, did. I was sexually abused? And don't think right. for a second, if you know all the stats, how that, those issues show itself often in a much higher per, of addiction in pornography. Right. Yeah. One thing that I think is quite interesting, it's, it's really hard to, something that I've actually been juggling with, um, you know, Netflix is constantly releasing documentaries about like serial killers and oh, yeah. like how to make a murderer, all, right, all of right, those right. things. Um, one thing that is interesting about the effect that happens when we understand someone is we feel empathy for them, right? We, we, we're way more apt to forgive them because it's like, Oh man, you know, if I only understood why it almost excuses the bad behavior. Um, and so I don't think that that's okay. Cause obviously the bad behavior is not okay. It's not okay to be a serial killer. Um, but on the opposite side, um, I think that sometimes we also want to stay on that side. Like I don't want to understand, understand the serial killer because it makes them too human. You know, like if I understand that this guy had completely motivation, complete motivations that I, I have, then that means that I could become something that terrible. And so I think that we refuse to want to look at it on that side. So I think it's difficult to juggle having the understanding and holding that sense of, um, justice. But I do find it quite interesting that, um, I guess point with that is when you look at how, many people like realistic, how difficult it is just to share anything that's going on in your life and how, like how terrible you feel about yourself because you didn't do this. You're not up to, to par just on your own standards. And then you have society standards. And I mean, there's just so many things that you can try and own up to. And so it's so difficult to own up to all of those things and even have a, a remote sense of dignity about yourself. And so then it's just like, well, it's no, it almost puts an interesting question mark on the idea that everyone is just, um, the majority of people are selfish or mm-hmm. spiteful as opposed to the majority of people are bottling up pain, um, which doesn't justify the spite or the crude cruelty, but it, it's, it's a very interesting, like analysis that like, just, I don't know, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, oh, is your viewpoint point. on people that they're more good or more evil or balanced? Like, I love what that you, you went here. So just, I just love that you went here. Uh, a lot of it is, a, is a, um, a misconception of what forgiveness is really all about. Okay, so forgiveness is one side of a two-sided transaction. It has nothing to do with the other side. If you owe me $20 million, right, um, and it's a debt that never be paid back, I can continue to be bitter and hold on to anger and resentment for the rest of my life, or I can say it's a debt that can never be paid back. And therefore, I'm going to write it off. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do. It's one side of a two-sided transaction. 
Now, just like Jesus, when did Jesus offer forgiveness? At the cross. For whom? For all people. Subject to nothing. Subject to nothing. The reconciliation happened when the other side came in and said, you know what? Hey, please forgive me. I want relationship. And let's, uh, let's have a bond together. So forgiveness is, is really that understanding, as you're right, that, that murderer doesn't deserve it. But I do. Forgiveness can't change the past, but man, forgiveness can change the future. So now how does that apply to us? Now, God can forgive anything, right? Including my dad, including my dad or that murderer. But if we look through the sins, the optics that can't forgive, um, then we'll never find the assurance that we can be truly forgiven. Does that make sense? I mean, right. if we look at this from the filter the way that God sees it, forgiven, righteous, justified, uh, sanctified, um, and without flaw. But that doesn't give you a right to keep going back into it. Don't, don't, don't confuse foolishness with forgiveness. Forgiveness is right what happened in the past. Foolishness is just, if, if somebody is abusing me, and I just forgive them and I jump right back into it and, get, and I get abused again. Or if I go right back into pornography and boom, um, that's, it's necessary foolishness. But don't also hang on to that anger, uh, anger and, at yourself and the shame. Because it's only when, you're, only when you're willing to explore your darkness that you'll discover the light of freedom. And getting out right. of that darkness, the, the object is freedom. Not forgiveness, right. freedom. And that freedom is found in forgiveness. It's a gift to yourself. It's not an exchange with your offender. It is a gift. It is for giving. It's not a contractual exchange. Right. Um, so in your so with the idea of forgiveness, how do you think that applies to... Because obviously I would imagine that forgiveness would mostly be personal forgiveness for your own failures. Um, I, what, it, what, what aspect of forgiveness are you trying to, like, do you think relates to the idea of the use of pornography? So a lot of it comes into is that sh shame, right? It's not just something I did nine months ago. It's something that I did last night, last week. Right. And so I'm afraid to talk about it. It's that I'm not willing that transparent case because I'm still holding on to that shame. And so to me, there's a relationship there between shame and transparency and holding on to that pain. And, and again, sin loves the dark. Shame loves the dark. And the more that you can talk about it, and it turns out that you're not the only one. This is a much bigger, it's not an it problem, it's a pornography problem, right? You're not the only one. And the, just the others are still holding under their shame and their mask. And, they're, and they, would rather, they would rather hold on to the pain than let loose into the freedom. Right. Because that's what's comfortable. But you right. do have the ability to free, free from that pain and from that shame, to be fully alive like, like God says in John 10, 10, right? The path of real forgiveness of, is counterintuitive to everything society tells us, that everybody needs to be held accountable. But to stand up and fight against, fight against this and say, I'm willing to be bold and speak up about it, all of a sudden you find this freedom and this willingness to talk about it. Yeah. And it gets easier and easier. So under the right, right circumstances, the advice, advice to you is, and to everybody that's listening here, is to, 
understand why, what's holding you back from being able to talk about it, from taking it off. And a lot of it, I think you'll find is just shame. In, in holding on to it, I think it's holding, keeping you in that cage of anger, resentment, um, and holding you back. That's what I believe. Right. Do you think that anger and resentment always comes from pain? Or do you think that anger and resentment can come just on its own? Or do you think anger and resentment, I guess, is it, a, is it a side effect or a starting point? Well, and, and there's not an always, or, you know, never. So I'm a believer in that and always and never. But so right. much of it is, um, there's an old saying that says, hurt people hurt people. Right. And um, when I'm hurting, not that necessarily I was hurt by somebody else. I hurt myself, right? I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling, and so I just don't like me. I'm ashamed of me. And it shows itself. And quite often, um, unforgiveness and shame shows up in two different ways if you look in somebody's life. And that is one is one of um, overcompensation. You know, I'm going to run a business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that and do all these other things. And the other is withdrawal. So sometimes withdraw. So often it shows in one of those two ways. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, that one thing that I, I guess I'll touch on this last and we can wrap up because I know you got somewhere to go, but, um, we, one of the, uh, James Pennebaker, I believe is his name. He was a psychologist in the seventies and he, he did a, um, a study on having people write three times a day for 15 minutes about the worst thing that could ever happen to them that had ever happened to them. And, um, at first they went downhill emotional, like they they were dealing with all of the hell because it it was terrible. You know, they're facing those things. But afterwards, about six months later, the, their, their physical health actually improved, um, their immune system. Cause apparently, so when you're in that high stress mindset, your body releases a lot of cortisol. You're in fight or flight mode constantly. You're in fear, you're in pain. And so it it actually represses your immune system. And so by facing the thing that you are bottling up, um, you actually can have significant just health benefits on top of the fact that it no longer is a cage you're in. And so, um, it's just quite fascinating. Like, I don't know if you have you ever watched House of Cards? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Whenever there's a, a story, they're like, oh, we need to get to this first, you know, like because they want to admit to whatever bad thing they did first before someone exposes it. And as much as there's malice in their hearts when they're actually doing this, it's quite a useful idea that like if I have an open book. If I, if my life is completely transparent, then there's nothing anyone can do about my life that can harm me. No one can say, Hey, you did this. It's like, yeah, I, I already said that. I already told everyone. So why are you bringing it up? Right. You know, right. it, 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 there's this release that you don't have to hide anymore or be fearful of being caught from something. Um, it's quite an, I don't know. It, it's an interesting I, benefit that comes along with it. So, but I always, yeah. I, I'm on the other side of you. I'm on the other side of you. And by your transparency, if we just have a relationship where, hey, Mark, how are you doing? Good. How's family? Good. How's work? Good. How about the Falcons? Great. Hey, good seeing you, man. We're tight, man. We are just... Right. That was a great conversation. (laughs) Really? But if I'm on the other side of you and all of a sudden your willingness to share these other stuff, man, I'm just drawn to that. And I think most people are. So it's a lot of times we... The very thing that we're afraid of by putting up our mask... We're actually right. keeping ourselves away of, and the people around you pay the most. They, they, Have you ever found that you use um, your transparency as a form of mask? 
I've found like, you know, like, cause I have almost cookie cutter answers of transparency or telling people things that I know are vulnerable, but I'm not actually heart to heart with that person. I'm actually using my, um, vulnerability as a way of making them feel that we're closer than we actually are. I don't know. Have you yeah, ever found I, that you I, use I that in that way? I, I always trying to be very conscious of that, that it, uh, so like when I'm telling my story, I'm, I'm not, um, I, I'm living it, right? I'm stopping right. and thinking about putting myself in that moment because everybody's got a different story, but I want them to raise, I want them to know that I'm not talking here and talking because I know and I'm telling, teaching you, but right. I get it. I understand your story is different from mine, but I get it. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, I feel the pain, you know? Right. Um, and it can be different. And, and when, you're, when you're going through that, uh, it's not just hurting you. It's the, it hurts the, those that are often the closest to you pay the, pay the most, right? Right. And you're uber sensitive to falsely perceived things that people say about you. Yeah. Um, you spend days attempting that you're, pro- you know, proving that you're worthy enough and going through all that. So that, that willingness to be truly transparent. But now I just love it. Now it's, I love the fact of, hey, this is Mark. I like Mark. Hopefully you like Mark. But if you don't, that's okay. Blah, you know, I, this, right. you know I'm this, I'm this, I'm that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Mark now. I didn't like Mark before. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking this time out. I, I appreciate it. Um, for those listening, I will include links to the the businesses that Mark has started um, and um, the websites and some of some of the things that we've shared. So, um, Mark, I do want to say thank you oh, again thank you. so much for yeah. taking this time. I know you're a busy man, so I very much so am very grateful for it. So it was good chatting with you. Thank you very much for all you're doing. Mm-hmm.